0: we'll get started. Uh, So I just want to know, when did you know that music was going to be a part of your life?
1: Yeah. I don't know. don't want to bore you too bad, but how far back do you want to go?
0: Let's go to the beginning.
1: Right on. Um, Some of my earliest memories in music were growing up listening to my parents' music, which I think is pretty true for most folks. And uh, in my case, my parents listened to a lot of oldies music, like 50s, 60s, so I listened to a lot of Motown Beach Boys uh, and then a little bit of The Police thrown in there to bring some 80s around. But um, yeah, early yeah. on, I could tell there was something special about Motown. Like I just loved all the Motown tracks and I kept going back to that. And there's a uh, that tune, Reach Out, I'll Be There, by, Um off, off the Motown record label is one of my favorites. So um, I don't know, flash forward to about fourth grade. This is pre-social media, but you remember the song Gangsta's Paradise? Yeah. So I took the bus to school. I didn't know what sort of music I should or should not be listening to. And (laughs) my bus driver was playing this radio station called Power 96. And on that was stuff like Gangsta's Paradise and uh, Janet Jackson, what have you. Um, And I liked that song so much that I would get home. And this is pre-internet, of course. So I I had this song in my brain, but no way to hear it. So I would just write out the lyrics by hand. <laughs> like it was just like in my mind, I was like, I have to get this out in some way. Um, and that sort of obsessive way of approaching music carried with me later in middle school. I was um doing uh piano lessons and I went to a school of the arts actually for middle and high school. And when I was in middle school, we had a like a piano lab, and at the time it was pretty cool technology, you could kind of record different tracks and add on to them. And now that's pretty commonplace, but this was like I don't know 99. And so I would build the song Basket Case by Green Day, like drums, guitars, vocals, and like it would all erase at the end of the class. But every class I would just try to recreate it. Um, so I always had this weird obsessive tick with music where like I'll hone in on one thing. I'm like, yes, this is my thing. <laughs> um, yeah. And so anyways, in middle school, then I started playing bass. Eventually I went to drums. In my 20s, started playing guitar, writing songs and singing, and now I'm back to bass again. So I don't know if that's more info than you needed. But. <laughs>
0: No, that's great. Um, so when you were in school, uh, I guess, is, was piano like your first instrument?
1: Yeah. So I really wanted to play drums first and foremost. And then my folks were like, hey, that's cool. But you should have a little bit of a, an education in piano. I think that would be helpful for you. And they were right. I didn't want to do it at the time. Um, felt like this needless detour into like <laughs> classical music and the like. But um, oh, I see the Spurs Cup. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was helpful and it definitely opened me up and I ended up playing bass before I really played drums too, by uh, a byproduct of my friends at the time, they're starting a punk band. And I think that's, I don't know, I want to hear your story of course too, but like so many bases, it was just born out of necessity. Like, Hey, we need somebody and everything else is covered. So you want to do this? I was like, uh, sure. I don't own a bass, but I'll get one. So I got this cheap Yamaha kind of PJ combo. And um, yeah, it wasn't really good to be honest with you. I was just like banging around on root notes and playing just straight ahead stuff, which is not a bad thing, um, but I don't think I was even doing that really well.
0: <laughs> how, uh, how old were you when you got the bass?
1: I was like 12, 13. Um, yeah, we, yeah we, were, we were in a band for a little over a year and um, it was hard because I went to this magnet school, like I said, so it was a public school. But you had to audition to get in, and then you had to basically audition to stay there, at least at the high school that I went to. I went to a magnet high school and uh, middle school. Um, mm-hmm. but it was really cool. It was basically because I grew up in Palm Beach County, Florida. And so it's like all these people from a pretty large county coming from like the northern side, south side, all over. And the guys ended up being in a bandwidth were of course, like 40 minutes plus of me. so. <laughs> a little bit of a chore to get together what have you but it was a lot of fun and it really just like i instantly fell in love with playing in a band and moreover playing in punk rock music i was just like yeah this is my thing that's and badass so, yeah i know it's been a lot of fun um how, how old were you when you got in your first band Uh
0: my first band i think it was 2000 i think i was 12 i'm yeah. pretty sure i was 12 or 13 Um, but kind of the same thing as you, I went to, uh, school when I went to elementary, I learned how to play piano and like for Elise or whatever it was. And, um, I, we had a talent show and I was going to play the keyboard. My friend was going to play guitar and my other friends played accordion is the Hano music is like real big in San Antonio. Yeah. So uh, that's rad. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty cool. Like I, I honestly, I didn't realize, I didn't realize it at the time. I was just wanted to be in the talent show, but the music teacher taught me what to play on the keyboard, and I was actually just playing the bass on the keyboard, and like I oh, didn't really? n- know, I didn't really know then what I was doing. I was just like, oh, I'm just playing the keyboard along yeah. to the song, so. Right um i kept with piano a little bit too and then finally um it was my dad was like hey do you want an instrument because my dad's real big into music um oh, cool. so i was like yeah yeah I to, I'll, I'll get a bass because all my friends had guitar and um totally. same yeah same thing met up with my friends and like this is new metal is really big so the first stuff i learned was like system of a down stuff and yeah. I tried to learn like corn stuff, but I didn't even know about down tuning or yeah. any anything like that. So yeah, what well,
1: does he play in like drop C or something? It's A. <laughs> a. Oh my god! Yeah,
0: it's a five string and they're in A a lot of the time.
1: Well, that's is- how you get that like really percussive like funky sound. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> the new the new metal era for sure. System of a Down, I actually really like personally. Those guys have chops, man. And, I, I like, I love the kind of Middle Eastern vibe on that, too. My um, grandfather was Lebanese, and I just have, like, this weird little interest in Arabic music. And um, they kind of check that box for me, and they do it so well.
0: That That's really badass. There's definitely a lot of uh, just influence from different, like, nations and system over down. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, not to sidebar us too much, too, but if you yeah. don't mind, tell me a little bit about your Tejano experience. I um I listen to a lot of Mexican music myself, mm-hmm. um so I'd love to hear more about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it it was very short lived. It was really talent show stuff. Um, I mean, I grew up listening to it. I grew up with my grandparents, uh, and they're like pretty like Mexican, like just we lived in a real Mexican household, like Catholic, and um, yeah. my grandma watching like novellas and Absolutely. stuff, you know, like so, sure. yeah, and uh that's, like, that was it, like, I was lucky that I had the internet, so, like, everything I did was all just on the internet, but I definitely had the outside influences from what they listened to, Um, that really didn't even come into play until my most, uh I don't know, most recent band was just, like, 2012, uh, my ska band, Young Costello, we have a lot of Latin influences in our music and yeah. so like everything kind of just came around and started able to do some like latin bass lines and we have a few songs that are pretty like like a mix between ska and latin music which is a- almost pretty similar anyways
1: yeah well absolutely i mean like street lights everything went numb comes to mind that's such like yeah. a great like latino flavor over what you might consider a traditional sort of ska approach as well or at least yeah. traditional third wave
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, Streetlight's a major influence. Uh, our newest song, like I always just call it Streetlight Junior because it's so like, it's it's very, it's it very street Streetlight. light. Yeah, yeah, that's what it <laughs> should be. Um, that's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, it's it's pretty fun, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the playing's good. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I want to ask or well, I saw you on uh, the Pop Punk, like group on facebook i had joined because um, me and my friends made like a pop punk song in this like during this pandemic so we're oh, just cool. trying to put it out and like see what people thought and stuff so i joined a bunch of groups and um because of that i met like a lot of people who have actually interviewed for like base to base. so like you you see gordon pop up all the time from college radio and yeah some, and uh, yeah i listened to that episode oh um yeah yeah that's evan evan's a bass player gordon also happens to be in the band oh it's not good but the evan's like a badass dude too but um anyways i met a lot of people and i came across your video and you're playing uh saves the day and i was just like dude you're just like killing it like
1: thanks man
0: that and a, a blink cover i think
1: um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's kind of a cover of a cover. Um, yeah. Scott Sellers is the old singer and guitarist of Rufio, who I listened to a lot growing up. And um, that guy's just prolific, man. He's kicking out, like, I would say two albums a year, it seems like. And he, he released this album called Influence, I believe it's called. And he does, like, MXPX, Rufio, I think Dylan Collins on there. There's a bunch of stuff. And that song, A New Hope, was just like a classic to me growing up because I love Star Wars and I really love like Dude Ranch, Enema, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, Plank, uh, and even Cheshire Cat for that matter. So when he did that, I was like, oh hell yeah, this is like the Blink song, but with chops, you know, like, cause I love Blink-182 of that era, but my whole thing is like, how can I be better? How can I have more chops? And Blink will always hold a special place in my heart. When it comes to chops, like really all you could look at is Travis, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely terms of who's like
1: killing it on their instrument. Yeah. But there's a there's a charm in that as well, you know. Like it would be weird, I guess, if Mark was just like shredding it on the bass, or you know, and Tom's parts are like perfect for what they are. So like it totally works, of course.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent agree. It definitely works for Blink 182. Um, yeah, I don't know how I'd feel if like the bass lines were any more active you know I mean too like playing yeah. it and uh, playing and singing too uh, also probably comes into play with that yeah
1: absolutely and, it, and that can be hard you know I mean when I joined the four originals I used to so go me and Tyler the, the singer we go way back uh, you know we basically our friendship and partnership and music's about 10 years old at this point um and we've been in a lot of different bands together where I've played guitar I've played drums. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had this band called Swim Atlantic where we both played guitar and we both trade lead vocals. And so when I joined the Faux Originals, it was already an established thing. And I just told him, like, hey, man, I want to be clear with you of what my intentions are. I just want to like play the best bass lines I can play, but that will probably prohibit me from singing a lot. And uh, that was kind of a hard thing to, for us to get to because we love singing together. Like, I think. I, like he's probably my favorite person I've ever sang harmonies with. We like dork out over Queen, Beatles, Beach Boys, like all that stuff, and we're big harmony nerds. But I was like, hey man, I love doing that, but the bass has got to come first for me on this. And and he's been super supportive, so luckily that's been great. Because to your point, it's just you can't be playing really complex bass lines and singing, or or you could, and you're just more talented than me.
0: <laughs> I mean, I I cannot. Um, I've barely started exploring singing probably like in the last five years Um I kind of just forced myself to like do covers and sing myself you know so I'm still not even like super I guess I'm confident to a point but I'm still know like I, I have a lot of growing to do as far as vocals Um yeah
1: I mean hey me too it's like an ever-evolving goal for sure
0: <laughs> yeah same with
1: okay. bass like that's that's how I view my bass playing like I view that as, like, I've got a long way to go.
0: (laughs) Is there, um, how do you practice now? Or do you practice or do you, like, learn songs?
1: Yeah, so a little bit of both. I mean, I feel like i got to vary it up to try to make some progress. Because I feel like going back to when I was playing in my my teenage years, I feel like it's easy to just kind of get in a routine and then you just, like, plateau. You know, like, maybe you, like, practice to your band songs. You're like, well, this is good. But as far as now yes yeah, so i do a mixture of running through our band's songs which typically i can't do in one night anymore because tyler our songwriter is really prolific and they're all good <laughs> so it's a it's a it's definitely a blessing but i'll usually do like half of the catalog one night half the next and then i'll try to challenge myself by either learning like a really like hard line that just kicks my ass or i'll do something like like that blink cover like it's almost like a choose your own adventure baseline, where it's like I really like the music, but it's like what would I do if I wrote this baseline? And that's something Tyler talked to me about. He's like, you know, you could do these songs with more straightforward bass lines because you're a little bit more complex with it, and you could just write your own thing. And I was like, oh yeah, I should do that. So that's been really fun too, and that's kind of what I did with that "Saves the Day" tune. Like I kind of took like the bones of the song, as it were, for the bass, and I was like, okay. Let me take this and then build the rest out.
0: Yeah, and it, it came out amazing.
1: Thanks, man. Uh, I appreciate that. I, I grew up a huge fan of Saves the Day.
0: Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know their bass player's name, but I've listened to uh, through being cool. Is that what yeah, that's
1: was? Evan Evan Diamico or Damico? I'm sure it's Diamico. Yeah, yeah. Evan's a killer bass player. He was there through uh, In Reverie. I believe okay. he left after In Reverie
0: yeah um one of like one of the my friends uh his name's dj is a bass player in like a ska band that was one of his favorite bass players and dj could like shred so i was like okay if like the saves the day bass player is your favorite bass player that means that dude's like pretty good and it's it, all of the bass lines are just so like perfect for for saves the day they just
1: yeah for sure and i like that approach too you know um One of my favorite authors, he has this little maxim he uses where he's like, anyone he admires or he thinks is doing something right in life. And if they're a reader, because he's a writer, that's his whole angle, he'll be like, hey, what are the books that have changed your life? So I think as a musician, that's such a great way to go. Like, hey, I'm a bassist, you're a bassist. You know, in the case of your friend, you're doing something I really admire, you know, who's really turning you on musically? What's what's doing it for you? And who's inspiring you? I think that's such a great question to ask. And then you get, you get opened up to things. Like I just recently over the holiday break learned about rich kids on LSD for the first time. And I felt ashamed. It like I should know about this. Like I grew up listening to no effects and like and all this stuff. And I started listening to that basis involvement in that band. I was like, holy shit, this guy's killing it. I should know about this. So again, it's like that sort of conversation will, in my opinion, be nothing but good.
0: Yeah, I mean, for sure. Definitely already, like, just talking to you, going to listen to Scott Sellers. And I've never even heard of Rich Kids on LSD, so. Um.
1: Oh, yeah. That that guy's sick, man. He's so good. <laughs> he uh He's now currently the bassist of Lagwagon, bringing it oh. all full circle. Hell,
0: yeah. Uh, I love all the, like, Fat Records bands.
1: Yeah, uh, you'll, you'll like it for sure.
0: Hell, yeah. Uh, fat Mike's his he's like i don't know if he's underrated or i just don't know if he's rated at all like he's just his bass lines are killer um yeah he's
1: kind of an alien he's just out there <laughs> doing his own thing and he's yeah. like an alien in the best of ways like he's got like his own sense of humor his own style like he's like whenever you hear fat mike either singing or playing that like tinny dan electro pick <laughs> sound like you know it's him and it's always good
0: yeah ab- absolutely man um So um, let's talk how you joined the uh, Four Originals. Like, How did that start or or how did y'all create that band?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. So that project initially was created in tandem with Swim Atlantic, that project I was talking about where I was playing guitar and singing with Tyler. And then I had a kid. My son was born in the winter of 2015. Um, And you're a dad, right? Hence the podcast name. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so you can attest life got really busy really fast and just went like whoop. flipped right <laughs> on its head so for me it was just kind of this combination of burnout and like this self-expectation I have of putting like pressure on myself to write stuff and write material and I was just like man I, I just need a break I'm feeling burned out so I hit uh, Tyler up who I've been collaborating with all these years and per usual he was super supportive he's like it's all good man no worries in the meantime, because we were doing some kind of this blender of music where it was like bringing in stuff from the Beach Boys and Beatles and Queen like we talked about. But it was kind of like an indie rock thing, but with a little punk influence. But he and I always grew up on punk. And I think he was really itching to do some punk stuff, especially some Scott punk stuff. He's a big lesson Jake fan as well. And so he was like, I'm going to go do this thing on the side while you're being a dad and figuring your life out. And, um, it was awesome. And he invited me to play the bass and I was very flattered, but at the time I actually didn't want to play bass. I hadn't landed there yet. Cause like I said, I played bass at like the age of 12 and 13 and I didn't really touch the bass until 2017. Okay. So I had like took a long time off. Um, and at the time I was like, I really appreciate it, but I'm good, man. I just kind of want to be a dad. Just want to chill for a little bit. Um, and then in the meantime, The Four Originals was this project that was doing some cover songs. They're doing things from like, you know, a Beatles tune or a whole new world and the whole Aladdin soundtrack. They like it's <laughs> online. It's before I was even in the project as a faux Aladdin EP. And it's really great. And I feel like I could say that without sounding like a fool. because <laughs> I'm, I'm not on it. So um, that's a really cool release. And um, there's a Postal Service cover and a few others are really, really good. And then eventually he started bringing in his originals and they were great. I've been a huge fan of his stuff since I met him. Um, and I heard it, I was like, man, that's really good. But, you know, again, I didn't know about playing the bass. And so throughout all this, I ended up looking on Craigslist for a jazz master guitar mm-hmm. and instead found this seafoam jazz bass. I was like, wow, I like bass. Pretty <laughs> sweet you know kind of like i should have a guitar and a bass yeah. i bought the bass and i quickly realized like a i'm way better at bass than i'll ever <laughs> be a guitar i kind of suck at guitar <laughs> b like it's just so much more fun and C, I come from like a drums background again so like from i don't know 14 to 25 my key focus was drums and i went super hard on that so uh, are you familiar with the band wolfpack
0: uh absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah me too big fan uh I'm sure we'll hit on that, but yeah, Joe Dart's one of my hugest influences, and um, Jack Stratton has this quote where he says, playing bass is like playing drums on guitar, and that just is 100% true for me, like that makes sense, and there's this rhythmic element, this simplicity to like the four strings versus the six, as it were, the bigger neck, like I was like, oh, this feels like much more natural, and so I started playing bass, and then I quickly realized like this is my thing now, so I hit Tyler up. I was like, "Yo, man, I'm really sorry. I missed the boat by a, a bit, but can I get in your project now?" And so he was like, "Dude, where were you like when I started this?" I was like, "I know." <laughs> man. so I felt like, I felt like a shitty friend. Um, and it, again, it wasn't planned. I didn't plan on playing the bass. I like, just kind of fell into my lap again, uh, but this time I took it seriously. Whereas when I was a teenage kid, I was just like, it was fun, just kind of bang out like trashy punk tunes and I'm not really doing much differently now. I'm just trying to <laughs> take, take the bass seriously.
0: Hell yeah. The Seafoam Green, uh, like, was it a Mark Hoppus one or it was just a Seafoam?
1: It's a, it's a pretty sweet bass, man. It's um, So it's a Mexican, it was a Mexican active uh, Fender Deluxe Jazz bass, but then it was made passive. And then okay. the guy I bought it off of has a he has a friend who actually works on guitars, and he so he repainted it himself. And basically everything on it at this point, is custom. It started off just as like a sunburst, um, yeah. but every component's been switched out. And I saw this thing and I was like, damn, that's so cool. <laughs> and I, I know, I feel like at this point kind of how to play bass, but I don't know much about the tech side of things. And I saw that and I was like, that's me in a base. I need to get this bass." And uh, I told my wife, I was like, you got to trust me on this. Like, please let me make this purchase. I feel like I'll never
0: regret it, and I still have not. That's badass. I, I kind of have a similar story with the with the Fender Mexican Deluxe Jazz Bass, which is oh, like nice. what I'm using now. Um, That's what
1: I thought I saw, a five-stringer, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I have a five-string. Uh, so I had a Gretsch-like guitar. I forgot what it was. And um, I was like, all right, I'm going to trade this in because my band, we for one Halloween, we decided that we we're going to do a Streetlight Manifesto set.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Idea,
0: awesome idea. Terrible for me because I have to learn that dude's bass parts. Dude, he's uh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He's really
1: crazy. Good.
0: Um, I didn't have a five string and he's uses five, my that was my excuse. Is like, all right, I need to buy a five string because he plays a yeah. five string. I
1: gotta rock the streetlight stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh I went to trade in my guitar at like a local guitar shop here and um they had that Mexican uh, jazz and like for the value I was getting for the guitar, I still needed like 200 bucks or something. So I I called my wife. I was like, please, like, I need to get this. I need it for the show, but also it's like a really badass bass. And, you know, I'm trading the guitar, but paying $200 for this bass is like a steal. Like I have to get it.
1: You're basically making money.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna make all this money back playing these shows,
1: which is not true. Well, and on the deal on the bass. I mean, it's like at that point with the trade in it's like, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like I, I didn't really play guitar. Um, so I got I got the bass, we played the shows. I didn't learn the parts nearly as good as uh that dude, but we got by. That's a, that's a tall order. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was, but it it was fun. Um, I just find it funny. You found the Mexican jazz deluxe too, like yeah
1: yeah man i mean like honestly i've had a lot of different fender guitars and basses at this point i'm actually a little bit of a leo fender nerd like i'll almost get like i'm not religious at all but i'll almost get like religious about leo fender i'll be like can i tell you about leo fender <laughs> i just love everything he's done especially on bass and um yeah like the mexican stuff is just where it's at for me like it's a combination of yeah, it's affordable, but also like, I don't mind if it gets a ding and it sounds pretty damn good. Yeah. One of my friends called Fender customer service one time. And this is one of my favorite quotes. He's like, what's the difference between a Mexican Fender and a United States Fender? And the guy's like, a couple hundred miles. <laughs> That's you know, perfect. it's like, yes, there is wood grain difference. Yes, there's pickup difference. But you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, this is kind of like the Model T Ford production line sort of aesthetic on a bass or a guitar like at a certain point it's a bolt-on neck it's a series of pickups it's a slab of wood like you can't really mess it up and they're doing a great job of that ensenada plant in baja california and they're killing it man like i'll, t- I'll take a mexican fender all day and i've had an american fender and i was like i feel like this is too like it's too pricey for me to gig out with almost. And I was like, also, I don't feel like I deserve this. So I've got rid of all my American Fenders.
0: <laughs> Man. Uh, this is, so Fenders seems to come up in um, a bunch of interviews now. Like I, I always just tell people, like, I just was not into Fenders. I just,
1: Oh yeah. I, I, yeah.
0: I just like grew up. I think it's because of like when I started playing, it was like, um it was metal it's like i saw specters and i saw warwick's and i oh, saw right, like all sure. these like heavy instruments my my first bass was a gibson or an epiphone like an eb or not an eb i forgot what it is but it was like just a fender rip it had like a one j pickup and two and, and one um of the P style pickup. So it just looked like, oh, yeah, a it was like a PJ combo. Yeah, yeah. It was just like a Fender rip. And um, it was cool. But like then I got like a BC, or not even a BC Rich, an LTD, one of those like crazy metal shaped looking guitars. And I was yeah. like, all right, this is what I'm into. I play heavy music. Like Fender's not for heavy music or whatever. Yeah. And then um, in a pawn shop, I found a player's choice jazz. I think it's called Player's Choice, but it had four jazz pickups. so Yeah, so like you're talking
1: two humbuckers or like four single coils.
0: Um, so there were four single coils, but they look like humbuckers, like they're stacked on top of each other, and like Fender oh, kind of like just, a
1: two and two like this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool! Yeah, Fender did something like that.
0: Yeah, and I happened to get one of those, and I was like, "This is this is pretty badass. It's super heavy, like." Yeah, it, it was just like what I was looking for So um, Fender like Changed me back into Dude you know, for <laughs> sure
1: I mean you know like my whole perspective is like It's, it's the best and most used for a reason yeah. And like when I say I'm a Leo Fender fan like I would follow that through To Music Man and to G&L And I've owned both of those I actually have my uncle's old G&L L2000 and I saw you have A, a Mint Stingray yeah. I actually had that same one man Uh, so we could we could could geek out about that for sure but um yeah it's funny just briefly going back I had an ltd bass and based on like your (laughs) kind of new metal influences it's funny like you probably would have liked my bass more than I did in middle school (laughs) I didn't really know like again I've never really understood the technical side of things until kind of recently where I was like looking into specs and stuff but even then I can't really you know I can't do a setup or whatever um but I had this ltd bass and when I started playing bass again in 2017, I was like, I can't own this bass anymore. <laughs> like this is like, I'm not. It's it's like, I got a pickup truck and I want like a, a small like sedan or something or or vice versa. I was like, this doesn't fit for what I need.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely feel that man. That uh bass like at one point I put studs on it. It just looked all like Judas Priest kind of yeah, yeah. metal. Um yeah no that that's funny uh that bass at sterling i have is actually my daughter's bass oh that's
1: cool she's playing too
0: yeah yeah so over here we have like a girl's rock camp where uh, yeah um musicians will get together and those like you can go for guitar bass drums uh, or vocals i think keyboard um but so I've kind of been showing my daughter music and I try to show her like bands that have like a female fronted or whatever, just like um Absolutely. female musician. So I showed her Tsunami Bomb uh, nice. and it turns out that Emily lives in San Antonio and uh, the singer from Tsunami Bomb and she just happened to be uh, one of the coaches at this girl's rock camp. And, That's rad. Yeah, it's super badass. My friend. Amanda was going to be one of the vocal coaches so I was like okay we're gonna get my daughter into this and like see if you can get her into Emily's group and Emily's band yeah and she she did and uh (laughs) my daughter really liked that lemonade like the 2000 version of lemonade from Tsunami Bomb and um they ended up like playing that song for her girls rock camp so dude she must have
1: been over the moon
0: yeah yeah she she was super stoked um I think at this point she should probably like 10. And so wow. she was still nervous, but you know, uh, I showed her like um damn it from Blink182 and little yep. easy, easy songs for her to nice. practice. Yeah. Yep. And uh yeah, so she does it right now she's not she's like into video games too, like and YouTube and YouTube streamers stuff like that. But yeah. uh i did try like about a month ago to run through damage again with her and now she can like pick even though she hasn't been practicing she's just getting bigger so like she can actually hold her bass and yeah she, she can pick and stuff so we'll see well,
1: that's so cool that's a full scale bass too like i know they make like things like whether it's a fender mustang or like a short p bass like yeah. so she's rocking the full <laughs> Yeah. I think is that a 24 inch or a 25 inch scale? Uh
0: I think it's 24.
1: That's I'm not rad. too sure
0: though, but she she did it. I mean the bass is as big as her when she yeah. when we, we got it for her, but um she liked that's the cool. color and I also get to play it. So it just doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. It works out. Um
1: yeah, that's a fun bass. I remember um have you ever been on talkbass.com, those threads? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw. So I owned for a brief while a Music Man Stingray made in San Luis and I actually had the good fortune of going to their factory. I was doing a road trip. So I'm in Oregon. I was going to a road, I was doing a road trip uh, to visit my friend in California. He was getting married. So I went down to Alameda, excuse me, to um, um, Southern California and um, We had the good fortune of going by GNL and they weren't they weren't open but like we went by like that was leo fender's like first repair shop nearby and we were like off fender avenue and all the stuff we were just dorking out hardcore uh, but i ended up going to your music man and uh was invited inside briefly i didn't get a tour because it's all closed off but i was able to see a little bit of that and i had a music man like i said and i ended up selling it for the same reasons so i was like i feel like this is something i just don't want to take out anywhere it's like a piece of art and um I got that same Sterling, right? And somebody on Talk Bass said like it's basically like ninety percent of the sound for a thousand dollars less. Yeah, man, uh, that bass sounds
0: sounds so good. Like it sounds, it sounds amazing. I think it was like three hundred dollars.
1: Yeah, like what other bass can you get for three hundred dollars that sounds that and plays that good? Yeah, in my opinion, it's more playable because again, I'm a jazz bass guy. That neck has a one and a half inch nut. Uh, whereas a typical stingray is more like a P-style neck, and so for me that's a little bit more like unwieldy. Like I can do it, but for me I kind of ran into this position where I, was, I had at one point two P bases, two Js, then I had a stingray and a P, and I was just kind of bouncing around and it'd feel like it would throw me off. Like I played the J for a while, or then I played the P for a while, the stingray, and really in my opinion those are like the top three bases. Like and again those are all Leo Fender designs, as you know, but I'd bounce between those and I was like, okay, well, I'm on one now. And I'd go to the other and I, I couldn't really hack it. So fine. So like now I just have three bases and y'all have jazz next, nice. even though one, even though one's a P.
0: Hell yeah. That, that, that's a bad I think um, I really just use two bases. I have an Ibanez, um, like an SR five, five something. And it's uh, my wife got it for me. And that has like some Bartolini pickups it's like an active EQ but passive pickups and um, it that one's super badass like I took that on tour with with uh, one of my old bands and it just has like all the character like some of the paints like coming off where I have my thumb at and uh, yeah. it's badass. Um, my dad got me a six string a samic bass and it's like from Korea and uh, he got it for 200 bucks and this was like probably in like 2004 or five ish and uh, I hadn't been playing I played it for a little bit but I just hadn't so it's been at his house and he brought it to me like two days ago actually and that thing like the neck is huge yeah Um, it's it's crazy I, it needs a lot of work I'm probably going to fix it up and then make some videos with it but it needs. Oh, a uh,
1: cool! You so you do the tech side of things as well for yourself.
0: Yeah, well, like um, I, I know a little bit. I think for this one though, like it's pretty messed up. Like I'm, I'm probably gonna have to get it to someone yeah. to to fix. Um, just a side story on that base. When I first got it, I think that was the first active base that I had. So yeah. I didn't know that I had to, like, put a battery in. and I didn't went. either when I had mine. <laughs> um, the base is just, like, not coming through. So I realized I need a battery. I opened that case, and there was a little note in there. And I think it had to have been from, like, the previous owners or whatever. And it just said something like, you suck or or something like are you
1: serious
0: that, yeah and it was so weird and it was what
1: a smart move
0: yeah i'm i'm assuming like they probably or really just
1: funny. either way
0: yeah e- either way I, I it was just really like weird to me at the time i i'm assuming they probably had to sell their base and was just like i'm gonna leave a note for someone or or right. something or maybe it was from the manufacturer i don't even know like there was just that note there and i remember it that base is like a korean base too so i don't I don't know where who who got it or whatever. Who I can't even know f- it. yeah, I can't even find any info on it. like it's so, somebody
1: somewhere had a hateful message., no, yeah. I want let you know that I think you suck. I don't know who yeah. you are. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you really suck, but I want to say that you
0: suck but I'm gonna say that you suck, yeah. but uh yeah yeah,
1: that's funny, man. Six string dude, that's legit. I feel like um six string bass is like typically when I see people play those like before I even hear them play. I'm like, you've got to be awesome, because like, it's just almost like a statement, you know? Like, you out a six string bass, like, oh damn, I'm about yeah. to get schooled.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, not not for me. Uh...
1: Not for me either. Man. <laughs> I don't think I can hang. So,
0: yeah, I try to. I don't know. Do you watch or have you seen like Evan Brewer
1: play? I should probably know that
0: name. And he's like more in the metal, like Prague metal scene um he played in the faceless if you haven't you should check them check him out um super crazy slap like fast slap he was taught by oh um, yeah 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 the woodens
1: oh he's on sumerian records of course there's a lot of cool like technical bands on that record label
0: yeah no i don't really
1: know him by name though
0: yeah um you should check out he has like a two albums out first one's just like really bass and tapping and slapping stuff. Second yeah. one is him with the full band and it's super like progressive, heavy metal, but um, yeah. their live setup, they had two bass players two. and a wow. drummer. <laughs> yeah.
1: Man, I, um, I play active enough bass parts where that would get in my way fast. <laughs> and also I feel like that'd be a real challenge to a sound guy. Like, Hey, we have two basses. It's like, it's about to be mud fest yeah like, it's just you got to really have like talented bassists that are in sync with each other and then the sound guy or per, more sound person sound gal whatever is on board with it and is like cool i can mix this yeah because like yeah. otherwise that's just like so much sloppy frequencies that could clash if it's not done right but if it's yeah. done right i guess that's cool is it I'm, I'm assuming they execute it well
0: uh it's it's great it's so that's good cool. like, uh, and uh, and I think Evan Brewer's setup is he has a four string, but um, he plays, or or maybe a five string. I think he does E through C instead of B through uh, G. So he just has E as a low string and then puts the high string. Gotcha. So he does a lot of like tapping and crazy craziness.
1: Gotcha. So does that band have guitars as well?
0: um i think the recording might have guitars but uh, i know in the faceless like that band definitely has guitars i don't i'm trying to think because it's been a minute since i've heard the evan brewer one i don't think i saw a guitarist when i saw them live i think it was just two bass players and a drummer
1: i mean i guess that makes sense if you have two bassists one's like probably taking the lead and the other's kind of providing like the the rhythm as it were
0: yeah i'm sure there was a backing track too to yeah like some some D
1: pads or something yeah well that's cool man i'll check that out i have i have not heard of that so that's cool thank you
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure um so what what have y'all been doing uh your band doing during the this pandemic
1: well i guess i'll give you the answer i think every musician would probably say here which is not enough to my liking um but who is you know i mean we're doing what we can um tyler's been writing a bunch of new songs we're working those songs out And I feel like they're really great. I would love to play them live, but of course things are what they are. Um, So we're just kind of workshopping some new tunes. We're not able to do a full band practice. Our um, drummer has to work in a space with other coworkers and um, out of an abundance of caution, he and the band in general are like, hey, we'll we'll wait till things kind of settle down. So in the meantime, I'm just getting together with Tyler and we're doing like guitar and bass practices weekly. Um, And they're really helpful um i'm sure it's kind of like playing guitar without distortion you just get this like everything's laid bare so if you nail something you're like cool that was great or if you flub a note, you're like well that sucked and so you know like in the heat of the moment when you got the drums pounding you're playing punk rock tunes everyone's singing it's like wee and that can be fun and like even within that framework we try to like bring it back and say well okay well let's do this right and let's focus on this section But with uh, T and I, when we're just kind of doing the bass guitar thing, like, again, it's just really, everything's on the table. And if I mess up, he messes up. We're like, well, hey, let's try that again. (laughs) Yeah. So that's been really fun. That's been a cool exercise. Like, again, being a rhythm guy, I would, like, if you would ask me, like, would you rather do a full band practice or just this? I would opt for the full band. But this, like, the side cool benefit of COVID has been able to, like, let's focus on this um and so i think that's the mindset at least i'm trying to take and address the band is as well it's like what can we do and it's not really much but that's what we're that's what we're trying to do
0: yeah yeah definitely same here um luckily like our singer guitar player who writes majority of the music he has like some recording equipment and so he can at least record ideas and send it to us um I have some recording stuff here so like I can put bass and then our horn section normally like gets together and they can write something out to themselves. Um, So same thing with the drummer though. We just don't, we have, we haven't really had any band practices during this whole time. We did a couple of live streams, like two live streams. So we did have two practices, but like that's it. So four times this whole year, basically we've
1: actually met up. Yeah, we're kind of in that ballpark. And it's hard. I mean, again, you're a bassist. You get it. Like, you want to lock in with the drummer or you want to get the full band perspective to feel like, well, how does this fit in? Um, And I I know for me personally, like, so I've been doing a lot of practice on my own as well. I try to practice nightly. Occasionally things crop up and I can't. But, like, I, I really notice, like, if I don't practice, like, at least two days in a row, certainly one potentially as well, just, like, Man, I feel rusty. Like everything feels a little slow. My fingers are kind of moving with frostbite or something. <laughs> so, like, I feel like I gotta even just like twenty minutes. It's like that Bruce Lee quote. where He's like, "I don't fear a man who's done a uh, thousand punches once. I fear a man who's done one thousand or one punch a thousand times."
0: Yeah, that's a badass quote.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like, can you nail this one thing repeatedly? and so at least in my experience that holds true with practicing music across instruments it's like let me just get in 20-30 minutes a day at a minimum if I can do more great I'm gonna go for that but like let me just maintain because otherwise I'm just like quickly slipping downhill
0: (laughs) yeah I feel that that's kind of why I started doing some covers because like I can practice our music and that's cool but we've been a band since 2012 and We've been playing, like, majority of the songs the whole time. So I can, like, play those songs in my sleep. Like, yeah. And I need to try to learn stuff. So even if it's maybe, like, a simple song or something, I'm still having to learn it and practice. And um, so I try – for a minute, I was trying to do, like, a cover on my lunch. Like, pick a song, record it, do the video, and then, like, within an hour and just put it up on Instagram. Like, I got in kind of a little – uh i like already know yeah like my flow to do it so i just i'm gonna start i'm gonna actually release an, a new cover with some people i've met on like for bass to bass and stuff with gordon from college radio and some other band from washington doing oh, like cool. a collab across across the nation
1: that's <laughs> sick man so yeah. like, is everybody gonna be playing
0: bass or how are you gonna do that um so i'm actually i'm doing bass. And I recorded guitar uh, for an Alkaline Trio song. This nice. drummer, uh, his name's Kevin. I don't remember what band he's in, um, but he's from the Washington area. And then Gordon's in that band, College Radio. He's going to sing. Um, and then I already got all the drum tracks they sent to me in the video. I've done the guitar and bass, and I'm going to do a video. And then Gordon will send his vocals with the video so i'm stoked i just got a new guitar today too so i'm gonna nice
1: board. what'd you get
0: i got a reverend double agent og
1: wow i don't know that particular model but reverend's cool
0: yeah yeah uh actually i saw them in a bo- a boutique like in austin because i lived in austin texas for a few years
1: oh and... that's a nice guitar sorry to interrupt you i just
0: pulled <laughs> that up yeah yeah for sure um i I've been looking for, like, a good guitar because I have an Ibanez, um, just one of, like, the standard, like,
1: metal. It has
0: two two humbuckers, like, real heavy metal. And I just wanted a different guitar. Um, And I just, I use this website called American Musical Supply. And uh, when you buy a few items from them, you can get, like, Rockstar Status, which is 12 payments, like, with zero interest. And no credit, nothing. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna invest in a badass guitar and
1: uh at it monthly for a year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like not crazy. Um and it sounds crazy. It's there's such a big difference between like at least that guitar and the ibanez I have just the quality, like then I feel like I can do chords, like I feel like my hands are cramped on the ibanez and like. I don't know this instrument's like probably the nicest, it's definitely the newest, nicest instrument I, I've owned. So,
1: I'm yeah, just... Reverend's good stuff, man. One of my big influences on bass is Carl Alvarez of Descendants, and he had a, he had a Reverend guitar for, or a bass rather for a little bit. Um, and that kind of put them on my radar. What finish do you have on this double agent?
0: Uh, the metallic Alpine, so kind that, like
1: of oh, that's the, kind of the green one, yeah, yeah. That looks sick. You got the tortoise shell pick card.
0: um
1: or is me, it the pearloid?
0: I think it's a pearl.
1: Dude, I'm a, I'm pearloid <laughs> fan for sure. All yeah. all my bases have pearloid on them. But I think it's such a nice look.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No,
1: oh, I do it's, like tortoise as well. That's sick, man. So it's got the maple neck, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um nice. just the, the OG all that like it even like the first time I had anything with locking tuners, so I didn't even know how it, they worked. It's super simple. Like you just put the string in and you lock it and that's it. But yeah, I I don't
1: don't even know how that works.
0: Yeah. So I thought because I've had something with Floyd Rose, I thought that you tune it and then you lock it and it doesn't move. So I unscrewed all the locking tuners. And when I was trying to tune it, the string just came out of the, of the tuning peg. So, So if you have a locking tuner, that's just to hold the
1: string in place. And then yeah, it will move. Sure. <laughs> I probably um, never will, but I appreciate that nonetheless. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Thank you. Uh,
1: but yeah, that that's was... rad, man. That's a really nice looking guitar. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. It's, it's fun. It's going to be on the on the Alkaline Trio cover. You can you can hear it.
1: Hell yeah, man. I'll have to keep an ear out for that.
0: Yeah. Um, when you do your covers, are you recording uh, into like an interface or you're just...
1: Yeah, I'm using, i want to say it's a micro USB. It's an old school interface. Like honestly, the the laptop I used to record is an 08 MacBook. Um, all my, all my gear is pretty old, but it works. So it's like, Hey, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I just, yeah, I record the audio with that. And then I usually just like put my like, phone up and prop it against something and just play along. Um, and then I kind of have to bounce the audio and the video together. So I, don't have the, I don't have the ability to like do all those at once. So I'll track the audio at the same time I'm tracking the video mm-hmm. and I'll just compile them. Um, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. Admittedly when I started doing it, like, again, I come from a drums background and art school background, whatever, like I was like used to like, I'm a drummer at these levels. And when I would post covers, like I almost had this like thought in my mind where like, someone's going to call me out and say like, you're not a bassist. <laughs> <laughs> like this isn't right um but that never really happened I was like huh okay I guess I'll keep <laughs> doing this and and at a certain point it really just kind of became my de facto um practice log for like like you said because I could play our songs and I definitely do I was as like 70% of my practice routine but like I also want to keep growing as a basis and so to me it's like how do I not stay homogenous how do I keep bringing new things in and it's either uh learning parts that really challenge me in my opinion, or trying to write something to like a different song like something that Tyler wouldn't write just like as a writing exercise to kind of keep keep uh the ink in the well as it were so yeah that kind of just kicked that off and at this point like I, I really still and always will consider myself a student of bass like when I record covers I'm like how do I learn more like how can I grow and I feel like there's just like Again, you know, we talk influences for sure, and I hope we do, but, like, uh, bringing it to Wolfpack and Joe Dart, like, I'll see somebody like that, like, this guy's a monster, I have a (laughs) long ways to go, because, like, I would like to aspire towards that level of playing, and that guy is leagues ahead of me.
0: (laughs) I I I feel the same way about him. Um, I was going to ask you, like, what is the most, or what's, like, one of the most difficult songs that you've learned on bass?
1: I would say too. again, hitting on Joe Dart, I learned Dean and to like like as you know, I'm sure you know that tune, that first little bit just blah 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 blah. So like that rhythmic precision. That's actually kind of my wheelhouse coming from punk rock. Like I'm used to just like really rapid finger style bass that I've spent a lot of time on, but like all the little like chromatic grooves, the little flourishes he's just like hopping from one string all the way down from the E to the G. I'm just like, how do I get this down? Uh, and it took some time, but like, I would say that tune for sure. Um, there is a song by tower of power that I learned called only so much oil in the ground. I'm uh, also a fan of Rocco Prestia for sure. Who is an influence of Joe darts. Um, and that guy's just a beast as well. And I just learned a minute of it. So I started doing these uh, Instagram like covers. Cause at the time, you could do an Instagram post with 60 seconds. Beyond mm. that was IGTV. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is kind of the perfect excuse to just learn a little <laughs> bit of something. And also, I don't think it felt like quite as daunting to just learn a minute of something versus the whole song, even though I did that with in Town, um, and that took a while. <laughs> so <laughs> with um, Only So Much Oil on the Ground again, like I learned that and I was like, I just got humbled real fast. Like to learn 60 seconds of it, it took me a few sessions of really focusing and replaying and replaying and replaying um and then lastly i would probably say the most uh, viewed cover i've done which i'm not doing it for the views necessarily because i'm not like promoting myself mm-hmm. i do try to promote the band where i can like hey i'm dylan in the Faux originals and, you know here's something i'm learning that's kind of my angle on it because for me again it's just how do i become better in the promotional aspects like a side benefit but um there's a song by, um, again, bringing it back to Mexican music. I'm no, I don't know if you know the band Los Plebes del Rancho. Are you familiar with them?
0: Um, no, I don't think so.
1: They're a rad, man. So they're a really cool um, lineup. They are um, a guy who plays a 12-string guitar, a guy who plays a 6-string guitar, and the guy who plays what they would call a tubero, he plays the sousaphone. And this guy, his name is um, Israel Meza, and they call him El Mecha and he's crazy good. His bass lines on the sousaphone or the tuba as it were like really inspired me. He's still like so active and interesting with his writing. It's like, you almost never really know where he's going to go. And um, so I've done two different transcriptions now of Tubero parts. I did one from a band called Calibre Cinquenta and uh, I'm actually friends with that guy on Instagram he's super nice guy as well like we've kind of done little dm chats and he's, he's a good dude uh he saw my cover and that was humbling again because I, I don't set out with that in mind i'm not like hey let me get this in front of these people but that was a cool benefit and and again with both the uh los plebes tune as well as calibre 50 like nobody at least that i could find i couldn't like find like a tab for that so i had to do it all by ear and man i'm telling you like it probably I probably spent about an hour to learn 60 seconds of each of those parts. So I had to like run it back and run it back and run it back and like play it at half speed, three quarter speed. And that was again, just like a really humbling exercise and also went to show me just like the incredibly cool compositional aspect of bass beyond the American shores. You know, like I'm of the mindset where all music's good music if it's done well. Like, I don't care about genre. I don't care about where you're at or where you're from. I just care about like, and that's that Duke Ellington quote, it's two types of music, good music and bad music. Mm-hmm. And of course it's all subjective, but like, especially if you play, like, you know, if someone's got chops or you know, if something's inspiring to you and I heard these guys and bringing it back to Los Playbates, like I've, I've in, I initially liked them for their harmonies. They've got the, these Everly brothers tight, like two part harmonies are just like beautiful. But then I started listening to the guy wailing away on the sousaphone. I was like, this is insane. So, again, I learned that and that was humbling. And I was just like, how's this guy do this with his mouth? Yeah. <laughs> like, respect, you know what I mean?
0: That That's badass. I, I wrote uh, wrote down their name, so I'll definitely listen. Um, right on, ha- man. Have you seen that video of the dude with the sousaphone and he's playing, like, he's not playing with a, a mouthpiece. He's playing with, like, one of the like chili powder, like the Lucas bottles, and he just like it was just saying that. No, I've never can, seen that. Yeah, it's some. I don't know. All my my horn players are like sharing that video around because because they're horn players. But um, so, if, like, I, can these... it, that, yeah, if yeah. I can find it, I'll tag you in it. Yeah, if I can find, I'll tag you. But it's a candy bottle, and he just has it in the the sousaphone, and he's playing out of the candy bottle instead of a mouthpiece, and it's. It's crazy. It's.
1: I'm sure that changes his amateur a bit too. I'm sure it's yeah. not like a tuba mouthpiece.
0: Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's you said it was a tuba,
1: right? That he's playing or a sousaphone. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's cool, man. I um, I briefly played a little bit of a tuba in high school, and it seemed like the most approachable of brass instruments from like an amateur perspective. But even then, I couldn't play beyond <laughs> one note, and like so again, like <laughs> for these guys that are just like wailing away. That's nothing but respect.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um I try I try to pick up a horn here and there when my horn players leave leave them around, but it's so hard. I don't I'm in the sitter right, base, man. like I'm not gonna pick up pick up a horn or anything. Um, yeah,
1: that's kind of my angle too. Like there's this George Harrison quote I like where like he started doing the sitar sort of sounds around uh, revolver and rubber soul. And um someone's like, Hey George, how's your sitar playing going? And he basically is like Well, I'm not as good as at guitar as I want to be, so I'm gonna focus back on that. (laughs) Like that's how I feel now in bass, where like people like, "Oh, you used to play drums? How's that going?" I'm like, you know, I'm trying to do the bass thing, so whatever. Yeah, (laughs) it gets there.
0: Do you still have your drum set?
1: No, man. I'm really much like uh, if I got ten bucks, I'm spending ten bucks like on whatever I'm into. So like I um, I sold my drum set to get another bass, like because for me that's just like another way to like express myself as it were just another sound I could pull in um yeah I love drums and like I feel like it's one of those like things that I'm kind of naturally decent at but um there's just no melodic component to it and I think having been a songwriter having been a guitarist a singer like melodies always running through my brain and the longest uh band I was in in college I was the drummer and that was a band I kind of grew up with in high school as well and um I was constantly pitching them ideas from behind the drum set I was like sing this line play this guitar line what about this bass track I was like I just need a way to play melody all the time and drums is super fun but like there's just no melodic component so yeah. that's again that's why I love the bass it's like that sweet you know Venn diagram between guitar and drums it's like there's the middle <laughs> spot there's bass
0: yeah man um so let's see. I guess for right now we'll wrap it up because it's been like an hour. But I want to <laughs> like totally meet again because I think sure. there's plenty more conversation we can have. And um, sure, like yeah, yeah. I do. I appreciate everything. It's super interesting and like super insightful. I, I really just had a good time
1: talking. Thanks. So. Me, me too. I really appreciate you having me out, and I'd be happy to come on the pod again.
0: Yeah. Well, let's do it. Um, for now. Where can people uh, find you on social media, you or uh, the Faux originals?
1: Yeah, well thanks for asking. I would say don't find me, please find the faux originals. <laughs> Whatever I'm doing will be with the band. So uh yeah, Instagram.com backslash for originals, same for Facebook, Facebook.com backslash for originals and anything we're doing, which hopefully with COVID, we'll be doing something more soon, we'll be putting up there. Cool.
0: Well, uh Dylan, thanks so much for your time. I hope you have a good night and uh I'll hit you up on the side so we can meet again.
1: Appreciate it. Look forward to it. Thanks again for your time. All
0: right, man. Have a good night.
1: You too. Thanks. Bye. See ya.